Now, last week we began uh, our series called Faces, and uh, we talked about the fact that you can tell a lot about a person just looking at their face, right? Uh, typically, when, um, uh, when your emotions change, your facial features change. How many of you know that? And uh, somebody said, just as the, uh, the scripture says, the eyes are the window of the soul, where your facial, your countenance is like the window of your heart. And, uh, and your facial expressions communicate what's really going on in your life. And uh, that's where the world of emojis came from. You know, it's not just good enough to text, but you send that little emoji because you want them to know what you're really feeling, right? Like, for instance, um, what does this emoji tell you? You're happy, right? I'm going to help you out. That smiley face, you're happy, right? What about this one? <laughs> yeah, amen. Yeah, how many of you send that one a lot? Hopefully not. But this one, how about this one? Yeah, yeah, that one's frowning face, sad. And so, you know, Proverbs fifteen thirteen says, a happy face means a glad heart. A sad face means a breaking heart. Facial expressions help communicate what's happening in our heart. And last week we talked about the face of anger. And uh, you could tell when somebody's angry normally, not always, but a lot of times you could tell their, their forehead crinkles, their eyebrows, you know, turn in, you know, they mean mug you. Have you how many of you ever been mean mugged before? And so um, today we're going to talk about another, another one of those looks or those faces it's the face of depression. In Isaiah chapter 61, if you have your Bible or your phone or whatever, Isaiah chapter 61 uh, is the, the, the words that Jesus read from the scroll whenever he was in the synagogue. And it says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now Isaiah tells us that one of the reasons Jesus died on the cross was so we could have the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now, the spirit of heaviness refers to being weighed down emotionally. It refers and it means to be despairing, to be utterly darkened in spirit. A modern day way to say that is the face of depression. And, you know, what is depression? It's really just a, a state of sadness. It, it's feeling gloomy. It's just, you know, it, it's having a low spiritual state absent of joy. You ever been there? You know, there's symptoms that you can help you identify whenever you're depressed and it's like you're constantly discouraged and people can't even encourage you. Uh, you're always struggling with being sorrowful. You want to withdraw from everyone and, and everybody. You want to just become a recluse. You really have trouble concentrating and focusing on your responsibilities in life and you're living your life without any happiness or any joy at all. You know, basically in short, you're feeling like you're living in this dark, deep pit. That's depression. 
And depression is very common. In fact, as you read the Bible, you see King David suffered with depression. It says in Psalm 143 and verse 4, David said, I sat there in despair, my spirit draining away, my heart heavy like lead. King David found himself in this pit of despair and and discouragement and depression. In fact, the Bible says that Jonah experienced deep, deep depression to the point that he was even wanting to die. The Bible says in Jonah 4, 3, Therefore now, O Lord, I beseech you, take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Do you ever feel that depressed like Jonah? Elijah experienced deep depression after one of the greatest victories of his life. Remember on Mount Carmel when fire came down from heaven. And and so the Bible says in 1 Kings 9 and 4, he says, then he went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day, sat down under a broom bush and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, he told the Lord. Take away my life. I've got to die sometime and it might as well be now. Depression can be so deep and dark that it causes you to have thoughts of suicide. Elijah was at the end of his rope emotionally. And depression is, is, is just a no respecter of persons. And it visits everybody anytime. And in, in fact, you know, they say that maybe one in seven people suffer with some level of depression. Some it's low grade, but some it's just, it's paralyzing. And, and even the strongest and godliest of Christians can suffer with depression, just as we've just been reading about. I mean, Elijah was a great man of God. David was a great man of God. Jonah was a great prophet of God. But yet they found themselves with deep depression. Now, why do we get depressed? Well, obviously, there are various reasons. But one of them is because of physical issues. You know, like, for instance, serious and prolonged injuries. You know, I've talked to people that have hurt their backs, have had back injury, and being in a constant pain all the time just causes them to lose courage and get depressed. Or chronic illness or or even chemical imbalances in your body can cause you to be depressed where you you can't seem to come out of it. And, you know, if you're... um, if you're depressed, you know, I would encourage you, uh, you know, first just make sure that that's okay. But, you know, sometimes depression is not always physical. Sometimes depression is not physical at all, but sometimes it's, it's emotional. Sometimes it's relational. Sometimes it's spiritual. And, you know, so you never really know. But like, for instance, you know, whenever you, uh, whenever you experience the death of a loved one, it can send you into a pit. Or if you get betrayed or rejected, you know, a romantic breakup, you know, sometimes it can just devastate somebody and it sends them spiraling. You know, those folks that go through divorce or, or have a separation of a long-term relationship, they can end up in just a deep, deep, dark pit. Are y'all, are y'all tracking with me so far? Losing strong emotional connections can send you down the down into the pit. But, you know, not just relational, but circumstances. Sometimes, you know, it's one thing to have a trial or tribulation in your life, but when you have constant trials and tribulations, the grind of stress, the grind of life can discourage you. Come on, am I talking to anybody here today? Can you all relate to what I'm talking about? But, you know, sometimes it's not relational, it's not circumstantial, it's not physical, but sometimes... Depression is caused by a spiritual problem. And depression can come from like unconfessed sin. 
And David found himself dealing with depression. And he said in Proverbs, uh, or in Psalm, I forget the Psalm, but he said, he said, as long as I didn't talk to the Lord about my sin, man, I got discouraged. I got depressed. And Proverbs 28, 13 says, he who conceals his transgression will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. But you know, sometimes it's because of, you know, decisions that we make, but sometimes it's outright demonic attack. It's a spiritual attack. The spirit of heaviness that Isaiah speaks about is sometimes just from the, the, uh, the attack of the adversary. I believe that's what Elijah experienced after that great victory spiritually. And, and all of a sudden, Jezebel started threatening him, and he, got, he went into deep depression. I mean, this guy that witnessed the power of God come, got depressed. I believe that Jezebel was a, was a representation of the demonic forces of darkness that would try to discourage us and send us into the deep pit of despair. Are you all with me out there? You know, I've, uh, I used to think, you know, whenever people said they were depressed, I would say, well, just get out of it. You know, I didn't have a lot of mercy or, or compassion. And then I started experiencing that. You know, I remember seasons in my life where, where I just got so mentally and emotionally and physically exhausted that I just got discouraged. You know, I, I've, I've, I've experienced relational depression where somebody I loved went to be with the Lord or, or somebody betrayed me or, or hurt me. Come on. Has anybody ever experienced anything like that? And so listen, I, I, I've learned that, uh, man, I need to be more merciful and compassionate towards people that are depressed because listen, depression is no respecter of persons. And it, if it can hit somebody as mighty as Elijah, then nobody is without the, the, you know, the, the possibility of being depressed. Even the strongest, most godly people can wake up one morning and feel depressed, right? So the question is, if you ever find yourself in that pit of depression, how do you get out of it? How do you overcome it? Well, I just want to give you four suggestions, four steps that I believe can help you get out of the pit of, of depression if you find yourself there. And the first one is you have to face your depression. You know, the natural tendency of someone that is depressed is not to face it, but to run from it. Is to run away, is to withdraw and become a recluse. But I'm telling you, that's the worst thing that you can do. Don't run away. You cannot feed depression if you don't face depression. Amen? And listen, one of the things that we got to get over is feel like there's something wrong with us if we start experiencing depression, right? So you got to face it. You cannot defeat what you're not willing to face. And so, you know, I want to encourage you. If you're depressed, face it. It's okay to be depressed, amen? Just face it and just own up to it and, and just look, look at it in the eyes and say, listen, I am depressed right now, but I know that God's got a better plan for my life, amen? So if you want to be free from depression, we have to be honest and we have to face our depression. And that's what David did. David was honest and he faced his depression. And it says in Psalm 143 and 4, David said, therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is distressed. He voiced, he vocalized it. And he said, man, I'm distressed. 
So David faces depression by being honest about it. And can I encourage you? You know, and a lot of times we're encouraged to just not pay attention or, or even, uh, you know, just be honest about how we feel. But how many of you know our, our emotions tell us something about what's going on in our life? Amen. And so depression, uh, you know, facing your depression means you got to be honest with how you feel. You know, when David, David had this incredible victory when he overcome Goliath, whenever he, he defeated and he overcame Goliath, but he would have never defeated Goliath if he would have never faced Goliath. David had to, had to face Goliath before he could defeat Goliath. Amen. And, and by the way, listen, Goliath stood in the way of the promised land for David. And I think we need to look at it this way. Depression could be the thing standing between you and what the Lord has for you in the next season and, and stage of your life. Amen? But don't run from it. Face it. Facing your depression is the first step to getting free. Can I get a, a witness this morning? Amen. The second step to overcoming depression is, if possible, try to identify the cause of your depression. You know, sometimes just by knowing what's causing your depression helps you. Like Jesus said, you shall know the truth and what? So here how, here's how I think it works. You know, I remember a time, one occasion, I was experiencing depression. And I was in ministry. And I was up here at the church on a Saturday morning. And I was preparing for church. And, and I was just like, Lord, you know, it's kind of hard for me to get up in the pulpit and say, the joy of the Lord is your strength. We overcome. We're victorious. And I'm down in the dumps. And so I'm talking to the Lord about it and saying, Lord, why am I discouraged? Why am I depressed? And the Lord spoke to me and he said, well, it's because you're holding an offense towards that brother that betrayed you. And I said, well, that's the devil right there, you know, of course. And, and it's like, well, you, know, you say, Todd, you're a pastor. You should know better than that. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking, right? But, you know, I got hurt, but hurt turned into an offense that ended in bitterness that ended in depression. But you know, whenever the Lord revealed that to me, I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I would rather forgive than be depressed. How many of you think that's a good decision right there? And so I just made a decision right there. Lord, I forgive that brother. He knows not what he's doing. Amen. In fact, I went beyond that. I picked up the phone and I called him. I said, brother, I've been holding offense towards you, but I forgive you. And he started crying on the other end. Amen. And so, you know, we had reconciliation right there. And all of a sudden, right there in my office, the cloud, the gloominess of darkness lifted and the joy of the Lord came. Amen. That's kind of how it works. Sometimes the Lord will show you something. You know, so a good question to ask is, Lord, why am I depressed? Why am I depressed? Is my depression caused by stress, by, by being weary, by prolonged trials? Is it, is it just physical? You know, why am I depressed? Am I holding a fence towards somebody? Am I working too hard and not getting any rest? Lord, what's going on in my life? You know, listen, David had to confess his sins to be released from depression. Jonah had to surrender to the Lord to be released from depression. He was depressed because he was running from God. Elijah just had to get some rest and be refreshed in the Lord to get free from depression. Sometimes just knowing the cause of your depression can help you get free from depression. You will know the truth, Jesus said. And the truth 
will set you free. But now listen, sometimes it's not possible to identify the cause of your depression because sometimes it's spiritual. Sometimes it's spiritual. It's in the realm that you can't see. And, you know, you remember in Luke chapter 13, there was a little lady. The Bible tells us that she was crippled double for 18 years. Now, obviously, if she's crippled double, you would immediately think, well, that's a physical problem. But Jesus diagnosed it as something other than physical. In Luke 13, 10, he said, on the Sabbath days, Jesus was teaching in a synagogue. He saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. She had been doubled for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. Now listen, for this woman, for this woman, it was obvious that her problem seemed physical, but it was not. It was a spiritual attack. And here's the point. What sometimes seems like an obvious cause of depression is not a natural cause at all. Sometimes it's an outright demonic spiritual attack. You see, sometimes we can lose a loved one, and of course that would send us into depression, but the enemy would jump on the back of that and try to send you down the pit as as far as he can get you. Sometimes, you know, you can be weary and tired of trials, but the enemy would love to take advantage of the fact that you're exhausted and you're fatigued and and mentally just spent. And he would like to jump on the back of that and just drive you into the pit of despair. Come on, are y'all with me out there? Sometimes a relational disconnection, you know, it's natural and normal for you to be sad and to be discouraged, but the enemy would like to take that to a level that you've never gone before. How many of you know the enemy doesn't like us and he loves, he loves to send us in the pit of despair. Amen. Which leads me to the third and the final step to overcoming depression. If you can't, if you can't diagnose it, if you can't identify what it is, then you might just want to look at it as a spiritual problem. And the third and and final step to overcoming depression is you got to utilize the spiritual weapons that God has given you to overcome depression. Amen. And listen, you know, it's one thing, you know, to to be in depression, but, you know, a terrible thing is for a Christian, a godly, God-loving person to be standing in the pit and not knowing that God has given them some weapons to get out of that pit. Amen. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they're divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. I'm telling you, the Lord has given us weaponry. So listen, he's saying, listen, I don't want you to fight the battles of life empty-handed. I don't want you to fight the adversary without the weapons that I've given you. Amen. So what are those weapons? I'm glad you asked. The first weapon is a weapon of prayer. Say, well, I knew that. Well, are you engaging in it? Are you using it? James 5.16 says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power. How many of you know prayer has power? Prayer has power. Prayer can lift the cloud of darkness off of your life. Amen. You know, not long ago, I was reading the story of this pastor, very successful pastor, and had this huge, uh, huge uh, international ministry, a great leader. He was pastoring a megachurch, but he woke up one day and he found himself depressed and he couldn't get out of it. And he started making plans on how he could hand over the church to somebody else. So, cause he's just like done. I can't do this any longer. And he was just trying to hand over all his, his leadership ministry. 
And, and he was praying one day and said, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm in this pit and I can't get out. And, and, and the Lord said, pray. And he said, Lord, I don't have even the courage to pray. And the Lord reminded him of the Lord's prayer. And he said, just pray the Lord's prayer. And he started uttering the Lord's prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And when he prayed that prayer the first time, there was no faith in it. There was no confidence in it. There was no assurance in it. But he just kept doing, our Father who art in heaven. Our Father who art in heaven. Our Father, who art in heaven. And then the revelation started coming. Our Father, I have a Father. I'm not alone. I'm not going through this by myself. I have a Father in heaven who loves me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Lord, you're holy, you're mighty. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Lord, I knew it's not your will that I be in this pit. And as he kept praying that prayer, as he kept praying that prayer, strength sort of come into his soul, into his spirit. And eventually he just began to be delivered from that depression, from that darkness. Hey, listen, if it'll work for him, it'll work for you. Remember what Jesus said? He said, listen, I've given you the weapon of prayer. In Luke 10 and 17, it says this, the 72, 72 of his disciples, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. You know what Jesus is saying? Listen, I didn't leave you powerless. As a, as a child of God, I've given you spiritual authority. In my name, you can cast out demons. In my name, you can speak to darkness and say, go in Jesus' name. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Come on, we don't have to lay down and let the enemy clothe us with the garment of heaviness. Amen. Come on, prayer is a weapon. Encourage you. Listen, if you're stuck in that pit, maybe do like this pastor. You know, start just quoting, pray in that prayer. Just quote Psalm 23 and just let the words of God infuse you as you just talk to God. There's something about uttering the name of the Lord that'll give you some freedom. Amen. The second weapon is the weapon of fasting. I knew there wouldn't be a whole lot of amens there. Don't you hate to fast? I mean, that's the worst thing, you know, not eating, Cajuns. Like, did Jesus consider he was talking to the Cajans when he said fast? You know, but listen, how many of you know fasting is powerful? Remember that father that had a demon-possessed son and, and he brought him to his disciples and the disciples couldn't help him, brought him to Jesus. Jesus delivered him. And the disciples said, Lord, why couldn't we help this guy? And this is what Jesus said in Matthew 17, 21. This kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Something supernatural happens when you fast. There's something supernatural about it. And I encourage you to just, listen, if you're discouraged, hey, skip a meal, fast a day. Just begin to fast and pray. I remember, you know, a time where you've heard me say this, but, you know, early on in my in, in the ministry years, I was so down and out. I was ready to quit. I was every day planning. What could I do after ministry? And, and I came across this scripture. This kind comes out by prayer and fasting. 
I was praying. I was reading my Bible, but I was stuck. And so I just started skipping some meals, went on a fast. And after a few days of fasting, something happened. I just woke up one day and it, nothing, nothing in the obvious or the natural changed, but something happened in my spirit. Light came. Amen. Come on. How many of you know fasting is a weapon? A third weapon is the weapon of worship. You know, the, the scripture we opened up with in Isaiah 61, which is Jesus prophecy of why he came. He said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, and listen to this, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Notice the connection. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You know what? The Lord was anointed. To give us the garment of praise so we don't have to have the, the spirit of heaviness. There's power in worship. Nothing pierces darkness like worship does. Worship can penetrate through the darkest cloud. Amen. Worship and praise has a way of just bringing deliverance in your life. You know, I remember, you know, this reminded me of, you know, when I worked in the oil field, sometimes I'd go out there for weeks and there was nothing but a bunch of burly guys that didn't necessarily love Jesus, a lot of iron, a lot of steel, away from friends, family, all that. And sometimes it'd get very depressing out there. But I can remember just crawling up on the heliport after everybody had eaten and was, was just doing their own thing. I'd just go up on the heliport and just look at the stars and just begin worshiping and praising God. They couldn't hear me. I could shout if I wanted to. The engines of the compressors were louder than my shout. And I'd just shout, Jesus, Jesus. And I'm telling you, I'd have revival up there. Amen. And I'd come back down from the heliport, had a smile beaming from ear to ear, and people look at me like, what happened to you? Amen. I just got in the presence of God. I just worship the Lord, and discouragement has to go. Amen. You know, some people say, Todd, you know, y'all could get this done a lot quicker if y'all just cut out all this music and just preach and just have church, just, just have teaching and go home. Oh, no, absolutely not. We got to get the work of praise going on, the work of worship going on, because it's our weapon. And when we worship, the presence of God comes. And when the presence of God comes, darkness is broken. Amen. Amen. Are y'all with me out there? You remember Pastor Jack Hayford? You remember me telling that story? It's just a classic. You know, he, whenever he took over the church that he pastored for many, many years, you know, the church was just, just stagnant. It was just, it was depressing. The, you know, it, they had a string of pastors that started and quit. And he'd walk in the sanctuary and he'd feel something that it was like you could feel the darkness. And he'd just stand up in the sanctuary and just worship and just worship and just worship. And one day, it's like glitter was falling out of the sky, he said. And, you know, and it's like he got the free songs. The presence of God came and he knew something happened in the spirit. And all of a sudden things begin to turn around. Listen, if worship can turn a church around, I believe worship can turn your life around. Amen. Come on, are y'all with me? 
And then listen, yes, amen. Come on, thank the Lord for that. The weapon of worship. Isaiah 54 says, Sing, O barren woman, you who have born, who have never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you who are never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. He's telling the barren woman, Break out in a song, sing songs of joy. Will a barren woman want to sing songs of joy? But listen, whenever you're depressed and you're discouraged, you can't wait till you feel like it. You just got to go after it. Amen. You just got to worship him. Come on, whether you feel like it or not, and you're going to experience the breakthrough. And the last and the fourth weapon, of spiritual, the spiritual weapon that we can utilize to break darkness or depression off our lives is the weapon of faith. You know, listen, part of the cause of depression is feeling hopeless, feeling helpless, like you're stuck. You know, hopelessness is feeling that you're stuck in this current situation and that it's never going to change. But you know what? Hope is having faith that things can change. As children of God, nothing is impossible. Amen? Hope hope is believing that things can change. Faith believes that you're not stuck and that the Lord can deliver anybody. Amen? If the Lord can just raise the dead, then bless God, He can change our situation. He ported the Red Sea for Israel. Come on. He provided manna in the wilderness. What can He do for you and I? Come on, you need to be hopeful today. Faith believes that depression will no longer rob you of God's peace and God's joy. Amen. Come on, how many of you believe that the Lord can deliver you? Yes, he can. Would you do me a favor and stand with me this morning? Maybe you're here today and you're depressed, you're discouraged. Maybe joy. It's something that you don't feel much and the Lord is wanting to deliver you. Would you just do me a favor and just close your eyes with me for a second? And let's pray together. Remember the Lord, the very first passage of Scripture we read this morning, Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Depression is something that Jesus died for. When you feel the strength of hopelessness hopelessness trying to grip you. The Lord died and shed His blood so hopelessness could be broken off your life and you could be delivered. Let me encourage you to expect to be delivered from sadness, from sorrow, from depression. Jesus died to set you free. Amen. But before you can experience His deliverance, It's in Jesus. Jesus was anointed. You can't just go to church. You got to surrender your heart. You got to surrender your life. You got to surrender all to Him. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never just taken that step. You believe in God and that's why you're here, but you've never really surrendered. Maybe you're kind of like Jonah, like going your own way, doing your own thing. You can't get out of depression until you surrender all to Jesus. If you're here today and you say, Todd, would you pray for me? I'm not sure that I've ever really surrendered my heart and my life to him. Would you pray for me? I want want to be a Christian. I want Jesus in my life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand so I can see your hand? And I want to pray a special prayer. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for being bold. Thank you. Just raise your hand and just wave it. Thank you, ma'am. Just wave your hand at me. This is the moment for you that Jesus is coming to just rescue you and help you. 
Now, those of you that raise your hand, just pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Come on, let's all say it together. Lord Jesus, thank you for shedding your blood so my sins could be forgiven. Lord, I want to be a Christian. Would you cleanse me? Would you forgive me? I'm ready to surrender. I need your help, Lord. Would you help me? Thank you, Father, for accepting me. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Now listen, yes. Yes, amen. Come on, let's rejoice with those that prayed that prayer. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, there's a card in your pew with a green line that says, I made a decision. I encourage you to fill that out. Bring it either into the lobby or up here and and just uh, let us know that you prayed that prayer. We have a Bible for you if you need it. We just have some tools for you to just help you get started on the greatest journey of life. Amen? Amen. Now listen, this morning in the first service, after it was over, a, a gentleman came up to me. I think it was his first time here. And he said to me, he said, I spent 30 years in prison. And I had more joy in prison than I do out. How many of you know that's not the will of God? And he's going to come out of that. He was here this morning for this reason. to, To get hope. Amen. But listen, just because you come to church doesn't mean you live with the joy of the Lord. I want you to know that the Lord wants to take the spirit of the spirit of heaviness off of you. And he wants to put on you the garment of praise. Listen, you know what the garment of praise looks like? You ain't, you don't have to have like something grand happen in your natural life for you to say, oh, that's great. No, it comes from the inside. It's the spirit of joy that wells up on the inside. I want to pray over you that the spirit of heaviness be broken off of you and the garment of praise, the garment of joy come upon you. Come on, if you have the liberty, if you have the freedom, come on, just get in a receiving mode. Lord, I pray over this congregation. God, I pray that you would break the spirit of heaviness off of the people of God today. Lord, thank you for delivering us from the spirit of despair and sadness and sorrow. I break its power. I command it to leave right now in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I loose and release your joy, the mantle of praise, the joy of the Lord. Lord, let it come bubbling out. Out of your belly shall flow the rivers of living water. The joy of the Lord be released over this house right now in the mighty and the strong name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody that agreed shouted and said, Amen and Amen. Amen. Come on. Come on. Just give him praise. Come on. Let that garment come on you. Let that garment come on you. Let the garment come on you. The garment of praise. The joy of the Lord. Thank you, Father God. Amen. Listen, if you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here to pray. And uh, But if not, Come on, just go out there and just face depression in the eyes and let the joy of the Lord overtake that darkness and let his light shine in you. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a great day.